This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. Here, we listen to the first part of Reggie and Caroline's concluding talk from their weekend program on consort relationship. They reflect on lessons learned in their own relationship, sharing insights about staying connected, the importance of daily meditation practice, and receiving the wholeness of the Beloved. This talk was given in 2017 at a weekend program held at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, called Awakening Through Relationship, the Tantric Consort. Reggie offers more teachings and practices on the consort journey in The Tantric Consort, a four-part video course produced by Sounds True. It is available for download in the Dharma Ocean online store. Are you still on mute? I'm not on mute. <laughs> uh, we wanted to talk uh, just a little bit um, practically and just have a few minutes left, but um, you know, we talked about the, uh, the sort of depth of uh, meeting that we have when we run into certain people in our life. Um, and that really, that, you know, those meetings become a, a revelation. You know, they're, they're an experience of a level of being that is um, it's real, um, it's authentic, and it's what we long for. And that gives us a kind of uh, it helps us see it's possible. And then we begin to, as we talked about, we begin to move forward and uh, in a relationship. And then we start to see what it means to make it real and to bring all the parts of ourself and all the parts of the other person into the dance. And the, um, the hard work is that uh, because there is so much intimacy and so much openness between us that uh, there's no place to hide. And the usual strategies that we all have in human relationships of hiding, (coughs) of factoring out a lot of things that go on, of not putting things on the table, of keeping our own counsel, of uh, manipulating situations so that we remain comfortable, in the consort relationship, you can't do it because of the level of openness that already exists between the two of you. So, you know, the sort of upfront commitment, you know, there are a number of commitments that I think are implicit in the experience of meeting someone with whom we have that kind of connection. Um, you know, we can't explain that connection. 
and, and no one will ever be able to explain it, but we know it happens. And when it happens, it comes off as incredibly sacred and something that we have to honor. So uh, one thing is, and I'm just going to talk about the two of us, and uh, you know, we're both going to kind of contribute to this um, rather than keeping it abstract. One thing is everything's on the table. And there is no, there's nothing that's kept off the table. Uh, even little things, feelings, you know, reactions. And in the consort relationship, we can't really do that because the minute you start doing that, then the relationship starts shutting down. And the intimacy and the inspiration to know the other person and open to them begins to die. So, what do we, um, how do we handle the intensity of what comes up you know, in an intimate relationship, and particularly our own stuff. Any problem in an intimate relationship is basically, it's ours. It's stuff that we are putting into the space as projections. It's our own hurt feelings, our own fear, our own um, despair. And what do we do when those things, are, those things come up? So we thought we would talk just a little bit about what we do, and uh, maybe you guys have some ideas also. <laughs> so one thing is, in the consort relationship, and this is something I really learned from Caroline, um, because it, it wasn't how I operated, but the sense of connection has got to be maintained. There has to be a sense of connection, and we have to stay connected no matter what's going on. And of course, you know, that's impossible to fulfill fully because when what typically happens with couples, you know, we know is that, you know, one person feels hurt and they withdraw and then the other person may feel they've done something wrong and they feel hurt and they withdraw. And then the first person feels that really confirms that the other person doesn't love them and then the other person realizes that person's gone, so that person obviously doesn't love me. And, you know, it just keeps going like that. And I think in journey toward intimacy that we're talking about, you know, in our case, the minute, and hopefully the second, but at least the hour, <laughs> the week, how about? Huh? The week? The week. <laughs> no, we, we, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, that uh, one person notices, and this is kind of, we talk to each other about this, and one person notices the other person, something's going on. You know, the, the other person checked out, or the other person seems to be kind of not there. Then we have to come back. You know, for example, in my case, if I feel something happens that triggers me, and I start having these thoughts about Caroline, these sort of negative thinking, because of the union practice, or we call it union practice, um, what we are doing, beholding practice, gazing practice, because of the practice and my experience of who she really is, you know, in her totality, in her fullness, which isn't, it's not good, it's not bad, it's just who she is, then when I start projecting negative thinking onto her, it's, it's kind of obvious to me. So that shows us that the way that ongoing practice really provides 
a reference point of truth and reality in the actual person of the partner so that it becomes more difficult for us to believe in our own judgmentalism and the shoulds and you know not accepting the other person and wanting them to be different and you know all of the kind of uh, triggering thoughts that we get into and we indulge usually in these relationships and then I think um, you know for us as a couple we look at each other you know maybe we're starting it's just that we're, we're really busy and we haven't really been connecting we kind of look at each other and go we need to we need to reconnect right now and we need to stop everything we're doing and we need to you know maybe we're in the kitchen we just sit down in the kitchen chairs and do this practice we just did beholding practice and you know in the beginning maybe you know everybody's stirred up but after a while the body begins to read the body of the other and at that point you come back into the the very deep somatic love and longing and passion that you feel for that person and then the system has been rebooted and you can move forward so it's kind of um, it's kind of staying very very close connect in terms of our connection to the other person and handling what comes up taking responsibility for one's own stuff and not projecting on the other or if we do project then taking a big step back and beginning to kind of try to take ownership of it so that's that's how I would talk about it I don't know um, how much of that overlaps with what you would say yeah and I think another thing to look at would be when something really overwhelming comes up, um, one of our guests comes and sort of takes over, because that, that definitely happens. And we'd look at that as maybe acting out. This guest is in the driver's seat. Like our Hakomi therapist said, there's no incoming calls at that point. You know, there's no way of getting through. And that does happen. That's a common part of relationship, particularly when a very abhorred or feared part of ourselves comes up. And I think at that point, at least what we do, is sometimes the other person has to point it out because who's ever in this place sometimes can't even see it or can't see it well enough. And the other person just points to it very gently and then the person who's taken over realizes, okay, I got to go and take a break. And we do take a break from each other for a little while. And the person who's really, really stirred up might go and practice or take a walk or do something, you know, just working to come home, come back. And the guest may still be around, but at least coming back to a space where we can relate to each other as we are and then going from there into some kind of connecting or beholding practice. Because really, you know, to be realistic, when you're super stirred up or overtaken by something, um, sitting and beholding doesn't really help a lot. Well, first of all, you won't do it. Yeah, you do anything but that. So there, there is that step of, you know, doing your own work. And I think one of the fundamental commitments 
on the consort journey, which you know we all know about, but it's still worth talking about, is that you have to be really committed to doing your own work on the spot all the time when you need to. I mean, your daily meditation practice, of course, but you know you have to. Um, what we say sometimes is you have to take care of your mental hygiene, you know, all the time. Um, and being very close to your body and your experience helps you, helps us, you know, to do that. Yeah. And then just to pick up on the point about everything being on the table, I've found through these practices and being more and more connected on a somatic level that you know as soon as something is sort of being hidden under the table. You know, you may not have talked about anything or you may not, you may not even need to, but you just have that, you have that feeling that something is not being talked about. And often with us at this point, I don't, if I feel like he's keeping something back, I don't have to ask him about it. I can just be there somatically and he, he knows. And then he can decide whether he wants to put it on the table or whether you know, we wait to another time, but it's, there's a knowingness between our bodies, you know, that doesn't let things get swept away or under the carpet or anything like that. These practices keep you very honest. download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet, Cry of the Snow Lion.